0: So what do you think?
1: Uh you know what? I like it. I like it. It's I like it.
0: It's not as metal. It's but it it's not has... metal.
1: It's definitely not heavy metal. I'm not getting any rain and blood out of that. But but you know what? I think it suits what we're doing here. The vibe. Right. The it's we're I'm, we're vibing with it.
0: It definitely feels like Is that white what you're supposed to say?
1: It... Oh no, it definitely yeah, it definitely gives it like mid- middle aged alternative white guys. Maybe I don't even think that's alternative anymore. I think it's just, it's probably dad rock now or like old, like it's probably classic rock.
0: Yes, I've heard the phrase minivan rock.
1: Don't make me choke on my (laughs) beer.
0: That's (laughs) for anyone that wants to know minivan rock is your Gin Blossom, Sister Hazel, uh, Matchbox 20, yeah, all that stuff. Hey, everybody, welcome to Beer and Bible. I am Neil, the lead questioner, head architect, and
1: the man. Musician. I'm Chris, the official Bible readerer, uh, super high-functioning alcoholic, and evil guy. Not a musician for the show. I do like Not the yet. intro, too. If you guys don't like it, too bad. Let us know. And please keep listening. So what are we uh, what are we into today? Like Old I, Testament, New Testament. Uh,
0: we're we're continuing on with Matthew. Matthew. And yeah,
1: hey, what are you drinking tonight? I switched it up. It, it, the it, we're back into sp- uh some sprummer, spring. I don't know what the fuck's going on. It's like almost June, and um, my favorite 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 beer has come back around. Voodoo Ranger because there's like twenty of them. Nineteen eighty five. It's a mango IPA, or at least that's what they sell it as. Excuse me. It doesn't really taste like mango, but damn, I love it. Nice. In fact, it, like any fans, petition. So there's two things I need help with, like beer and Bible, Army, or believe, I don't know, whatever. Fans, or co-list, co-listeners, listeners, I don't know. I'm rambling now. Anyway, write a, a strongly worded email to... New Belgium Brewing, and tell them that there's two things we need as the drinkers of their beer and their fan base. We need a 12-pack of the White Voodoo Rangers, the Hazy IPAs, or the Juicy... juice. Damn, I drink them so much. The Juicy Haze IPAs. We need those in 12-packs because it's ridiculous. They only sell them in six-packs, and it's way overpriced. And two, we need these 1985s to be sold year-round yes nineteen eighty five they need to be available year round these These are the two things I need in life to support our me in life and my vitamin intake so um, anyway, if our five listeners could help us you know just create a little army of bombarding New Belgium with emails of make this beer available so that beer and Bible can thrive and become what it's meant to be
0: Holding through my alcoholism.
1: Absolutely or my alcohol habit, my drinking habit. Then, you know, that's that we could take this to the next level. Rick it's what Lord God wants. wants.
0: It is what the Lord wants.
1: And start the emails with that. This the Lord saith unto you, you crotchety fucks that don't sell this stuff in the way that I want it. This one singular person
0: we're no longer a singular person. We we're are a collective. The yes. The collective. <laughs> anyway,
1: on to more important things. We're
0: we are in the Book of Matthew, and Woo-hoo! and somebody just said to me earlier today was asking why we're still doing that, and just to reiterate the reason for this is if you listen to Beer and Bible from the very beginning, you do get short little stories and snippets, but we have really encouraged the idea of reading the. Bible, not as this entire book, but as separate sections of books. So we are listening to one entire book right now. And if you listen to us, and you don't ever read the Bible ever, you will have finished the entire book of Matthew by the time we finish the book of Matthew. You will have heard Chris read or slur his way through every word of the hey, hey. book. You're not wrong, but hey, hey. hey. So
1: I mean, would you start? Would you watch Star Wars: A New Hope? And then, like, the first 20 minutes and then go to Return of the Jedi? No, you wouldn't do that. You got to watch the whole movie to understand the second one and the third one. You got to get that foundation.
0: Once again, I keep trying to teach, and yet you do it better every time.
1: Those are the only yes. three fucking Star Wars. Actually, there's four. There's four fucking Star Wars movies. There's those three, and then, um, was it Rogue One? Rogue?
0: Rogue One, yeah. Rogue
1: One. Those are the only four Star Wars movies. There's the only four you need to watch.
0: We definitely fit that minivan rock group of people. Now that we've talked about why you want to make sure that you watch all of A New Hope, (laughs) we're now talking about the structure of A New Hope, and what we are in right now is what I call Jesus' experimental album. In the book of Matthew, you have five sections of teaching, and then you have a lot of action Jesus and things happening and conversations in between them. And... Right now, we are in the third section of teaching, and we're getting to Jesus' parables. He starts off with a parable and tells us this kind of enigmatic story, and then he talks about why he's telling parables. Then people ask him, hey, we don't understand the parable. Could you explain it? And then he does an explainer. So that's sort of track one, this sort of like long intro track. And then last week, we talked about the wheat and the weeds, or the wheat and tares, depending on what your Bible says. So check out last podcast. Now we're talking about an, the next couple of parables that are going to come after that one. The first one is famous if you are familiar with the Bible and you've been to church a lot. For the rest of us, eh, it's kind of a weird one. <laughs> so let's get into it. We are in Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 through 32.
1: All right. Let me see what I can do here. This is I'm in, I'm in my wheelhouse right now. All right. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Ah, I know this one. Which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and perch on its branches. Is that true? I mean, I don't think Jesus would lie to me, but I've never seen a mustard tree. Like, I don't know what the fuck. Me and Stacey are all the time, my my wife, are always talking about, like, how, like, stupid we are when it comes to plants. Not, like, she's actually really good with plants. And, like, thanks to our cow poop water that flows through our pipes and all over the land. She's like really good at growing things now. But like, what does a banana grow on? Is it like a tree or a bush? I feel like it's like a bush type thing or like pineapples. Like what? tell Hey, Neil, what does a pineapple grow on?
0: Wait, does it grow in like a short bush?
1: Exactly. That's the, I don't fucking know. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how all yeah. of our conversations go. So I'm like, is mustard really a, like a mustard? Like, is it really a tree or is it like? You can conf- I, you can you can fuck me up with some plants. If we got onto Jeopardy and I was a, like one question away from a million dollars like winning something and they went into like fruiting or like fruit-giving plants or like flora, I would be fucked.
0: But just curious. Yeah, I don't know. Hey I don't listeners, know. is it, I can, is it a tree? I, so I can tell you this that when you grow mustard seed in the western hemisphere, mm-hmm. it's supposedly pretty small. So a couple of things, the mustard seed is not the smallest seed in the world. Oh. So Jesus was a liar. Ah, oh, Jesus. It might have it might have been the smallest seed at least in the area. So maybe that was the reason he uses it. Another thing is that it is found as an example in rabbinic literature as being a very very small thing. So mm. I'm going to go ahead and read a quick section from that. So if one was eating a heave offering, felt his limbs tremble, he holds it onto himself and swallows the heave offering, and they are made unclean by any amount of discharge at all, even though it is like a grain of mustard or less than that. So someone's sick, whether it's skin- A or little droplet stroke,
1: of like spit falls on you and you're unclean. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Yep. Ooh.
0: So they use that. And then, lo, I am in Nazir, uh, Nazirite, so this is like John the Baptist, or our big buddy Samson. A jugful. <laughs> if he says, I am a Nazir, a jugful. Like, I, how much of your, of a Nazirite are you? How long are you going to be a Nazirite? And he says, I am like a basketful. And uh, that's the next line, basketful. They examine <laughs> his intention. If he said, I intend to, be, to take a Nazirite v- vow for one long period, he is a Nazirite, a Nazir, for 30 days. But if he said, I took a Nazirite vow without specification, they regard it as a basket full of mustard seed. He is a Nazir for the rest of his life. <laughs> so that would be like okay, like a basketful of figs, you can get maybe 30 of them in there. But how many mustard seeds could you get in there? Plenty. So what they were saying is he just has this undetermined amount and how you measure that space of how much of, of a Nazarite he is depends on what you are going to measure. Is it going to be, are you going to count it by mustard seed or are you going to count it by figs? Hmm. So that is a rabbinic teaching at least that they are pretty small. But to your point, What does it grow on? Well, is it really a tree? Eh, Kind of more like a bush. Some people say it can grow maybe like in the Western Hemisphere, maybe up to knee height or something like that. But we have other people who've said, no, no, you, you plant that thing in the right climate in the right situation in Palestine, you will have something that's like two and a half meters tall. Dang. So it can get pretty big just depending on the scenario and situation. There are stories in rabbinic literature of mustard plants getting to the size of trees. So you're not completely out there. Uh, hmm. Some people have, again have thought, well, this is kind of strange. Like they're not used to hearing these things, so they were like, well, it's just Jesus being hi- hyperbolic again. You know, the grain earlier in his earlier par- parable was producing 160 and 30 times, so it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for Jesus to be hyperbolic here as well.
1: Yeah, mustard mustard seeds great for cooking too. That's a nice spice. Throw on some shit, crush it up a little bit, sprinkle on some shit.
0: Is it much different than just like your French's mustard or your your Dijon mustard? Well,
1: when you're using just the seed, it's more like to the point. Like it's more bitter. Like a little bit goes a long way. Because you know when you crush it up and it's turned into mustard, it like it it, it gets watered down a little bit. So and it's like direct. It, it has more of a bite. Like you can throw a little bite or tang on something rather than having like
0: you know it, it, it it's you know does that it, make sense? It does, and it's kind of interesting because in our story, the person who wants the spice, oddly enough, they have this intentional action of planting a seed, and some people have pointed out the funny parable here when you sit there and say, I'm going to take one mustard seed and plant it right here, which doesn't make any sense because you don't do that with a single mustard seed. You get a bunch of them, you scatter them, and you're like, oh, well, one of them's going to make it. That's <laughs> how you scatter seed. Yeah, that's true. Wink, wink. ha, <laughs> ha. So the tree gets really, really big, and then birds perch in it, which is, again, really weird because it might not grow that large. And we've talked before about sometimes in the Old Testament, birds of prey were considered evil. Some people think, again, that doesn't mean this. So That last parable,
1: birds were bad. They came and pecked away all the seed, and they were dickheads.
0: Right. And so we have to be careful. Do we mean to think that birds are always going to be evil in all of these parables, or do we look at each parable as its own silo and say, okay... The kingdom of heaven is something that's going to be start really, really small, it's going to be planted, and it's going to grow over time and be a lot larger than people expected it to be. And it's going to be so large that birds can either, some people have taught, meant to be like, oh, it's a good thing that even birds can perch in them and they can find solace and rest. And so it's really good. So let's go ahead and move on to verse 33. Got.
1: It. Hmm. Oh, let's see here. 33. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough.
0: So this is pretty unique that it does not- He completely
1: switched it up on
0: us. What do you mean? He went from mustard seeds to dough. Yeast. Yeah. He just flipped again. So he went from wheat and weeds to mustard seeds to suddenly dough.
1: He's like, look, look, look. I don't think y'all are getting it. Let me, let me, just think this. Uh, we might not have a bunch of farmers here. All right, we got any bakers? Anybody that, that like? I know y'all all make bread. How about this? <laughs> Is that what it he's doing? Be.
0: It very much could be. Like, what are things that all these people deal with on a daily basis? We just throw it against the wall bread. and see
1: what sticks.
0: Right, right. I think that's a fantastic way of looking at these. Something else that's unique is that this is not found in Mark or John. It's only found in Luke or Matthew. So some people think that it was added just because, well, if it wasn't in Mark, but these guys added it, they maybe made it up. But I'm thinking, eh, I don't know. Because if two guys are saying it and they've got two different sources, I'm kind of likely to be like, eh, it fits. But the leaven would have been old fermented dough, which was then stored and then fermenting its juices until it was mixed in with new flour, new dough later on. I don't know how many of our listeners make bread all the time, but assuming you don't, like that's, it's like a sourdough starter. If you're unsure what that is, go onto YouTube, look up how to start a sourdough, and you're welcome. You have a new hobby. <laughs> now, the quantity of this, like how much are we talking? We're talking each section is going to be 13 liters, so roughly 40 liters total, roughly, which is going to come out to about 50 pounds of flour. So how much could this feed? Some people have said it can feed up to 100 people. And maybe the idea is it's like there was this, this rabbinic idea of this end of the world feast. When the world ends and you get to go to heaven, there's going to be a giant feast and everyone gets to eat. So maybe it's like Jesus is like, oh, like she's preparing for a feast. Wink, wink. Because we talked about the wheat and the weeds being kind of an end of when the end of the harvest happens. Maybe that's like the end of time. And so maybe this is that idea as well. Could be. I don't know this measure was used in hospitality back when you go back to Genesis. And we've talked about that. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible with a lot of the original first Jewish stories. And in one of those, it talks about somebody, he had guests coming in and he used three measures of flour to prepare a feast for them. So maybe it's just this, it gives you the idea that she's prepping for something that's hospitable. So there are a couple different ideas. Um, Like the mustard seed, what we're talking about is not something that's impossible, but is actually very significant. You start with something very small, and it grows to something very large. Mm -hmm. So maybe the kingdom of heaven is, again, it starts like a little bit of leaven, but once it works its way through the dough, it's unstoppable. Yeah,
1: it spreads like exponentially.
0: Right. All right, let's read 34 and 35. Let's do
1: it. By let's, I mean me. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophets. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. Hmm.
0: Yes. So this is Matthew doing his thing again. Whenever Matthew (laughs) has Jesus do stuff, he has to connect it back to the Old Testament or the Tanakh as, again, our Jewish. I don't know how big of a Jewish audience we have, but let's pretend we have a massive Jewish audience, and they listen to this all the time. This would be the Tanakh. And you're like, yes, I know. I know what the Tanakh is now. <laughs> but in the Tanakh, he he has to tie it back and say, see here. So he is pulling from Psalm. This depends on if you have a Jewish Bible, which would be 78-2, or if you have a more Greek-based Bible, you would have Psalm 77-2. So Jesus typifies the teachings of ancient Israel. Again, these are teachings coming from ancient from the Tanakh. So just as Asaph re- recounted the great deeds of God in the cryptic language, now Jesus reveals the kingdom of God through veiled speech. So he he's kind of going, look, Jesus is doing what they did in the Tanakh. This matches it. Now, Jewish sages, as far as I know, did not consider this verse itself to be messianic. And I know a lot of Christians want Jesus to fulfill prophecy, and I don't think that necessarily Matthew requires or needs his Messiah, the Matthew and Jesus is Matthew's Messiah. He doesn't need the Jesus to fulfill prophecy so much as he needs him to correlate with Jewish teachings, mm. because if he's writing this to a Jewish audience, he needs to continue to remind us that Jesus is matching their expectations or matching, even if it's not their expectations, he needs to at least find a way of showing where Jesus matches the scripture, where they pull their expectations from the Messiah from. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, because that got really wordy at the end of like, (laughs) I got to make sure I get this point across. Yeah,
1: he's always got to nail it back and be like, see, Jesus is still doing the thing that like, this is that dude we've been waiting on. See, see, see.
0: You've been hearing about him for a while. All right, let's go and read 36 through 39. All right. Uh,
1: Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain us the parables of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. Dun-dun-dun. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. I love how it's like... They have to pull them in, and it's like, okay, all right, all right, um, I get what's going on, but explain to uh, uh, Bartholomew over here. He he doesn't get it, so you're going to have to just spell it out. Jesus, these parables make no fucking sense. He's like, all right, fine.
0: I love it. I really think that's exactly how it's running down, because <laughs> they do not get it. And this is the second time it happened, which is great. Like, I, I, I Yeah,
1: it. that's right, because they did it before. Like, I, I totally get it, but Simon over here, you know he's <laughs> i feel bad for him he's a little slow but he's he's part of her you know so you got to just tell you, you know just just for his yeah. sake you know spell it out
0: the uh the actual greek word here is diasophine, <laughs> which is make quite clear like really it out like jeez <laughs> we we need an explanation but like we need the best explanation like talk to me like i'm in second grade and have it a, the attention span <laughs> of a 5 year old please slow down So he brings up Son of Man, which goes back again to these Jewish texts. There's a book called Daniel that is in the Jewish text that talks about sort of this idea of heavenly kingdom and in time, and it uses this phrase Son of Man. So Son of Man is used differently in different contexts in the Old Testament. I don't want to get into that right now, but in this case, some people would say that this Son of Man is pointing to that end of the world, the the end times. That's where we talked about the wheat and weeds, and maybe that's the end of it. And so by Jesus saying, son of man, maybe he's like, hey, focus, this is the time period I'm talking about. So that is a possibility. And then what we're also talking about is what is the difference in the wheat and the weeds? It's the fruit that they produce. They're both plants, but they produce different things and they are planted by two different characters. Mm-hmm. You have the son of man planting, and then you have the the devil coming in. He's coming back from around the corner, jumping in at, at night and sowing in. These evil people are are making it all messed up. What a
1: dick. Always being a dick with his dickishness.
0: That is his MO. All right, let's go ahead and read 40 through 42. Got you covered.
1: Got you covered. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age, the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That fucking sucks.
0: Man, that is way more metal than our... Yeah, yeah. Right?
1: He, he definitely went hard on that one. He's like, just so you know, everybody's fucked that doesn't, you know, doesn't believe.
0: So Jesus adds this extra story to the end of it that wasn't in the original telling. Like, he's got a really... They're like, can you explain this to us Clearly. Yeah, let me see how clear I can make this. Right. <laughs> and he even adds in he, he he doesn't just say and they get burned up. He's like, they get burned up. And he leans in and he's like, in fire. Like just
1: <laughs> just in case not, you're wondering. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you guys are real dense. So these angels, they function as sort of this like heavenly police force, I guess, arresting offenders and presenting evidence and executing punishment. And that comes from a scholar named Davidson. So I thought that was like a good like, okay, what is the role of angels here? As you put it, they're either going to kill somebody or somebody's going to get pregnant. Yeah. It's like fucking
1: Judge Dredd, dude, like (laughs) here at the end of the world. I don't know if you ever saw any of that. Those fucking movies or comics.
0: I watched the old one. I tried watching the new one. Got halfway through the new Judge Dread.
1: Yeah, I liked it a lot, but I was drinking too, so you know, maybe the, maybe that a little high. helps. But uh, yeah, it's it's like <laughs> he was the judge, jury, and executioner all in one. It's like you've got you're in possession of an illegal substance. It's like the <laughs> judgment is. Yeah. It just blows their brains out right there on the fucking But they just set you the angel just sets you on fire, drops you into a pit, they open a portal and you just drop into a fucking like like fucking bowl of lava oatmeal and just burned the fuck up.
0: I feel like this is the Judge Dread slash Angel Dredd. Judge Angel Dread, mm-hmm. Angelic Judge Dread. Yes. Yeah, okay. Totally angelic... uh, just get Neil
1: Gaiman on board.
0: Oh, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> I feel like this would be a very efficient system. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so I'm going to read some quick literature from around that time period where this idea that Matthew is writing is probably not new to the audience that is reading Matthew. Unless they are Gentiles, like these are non-Jewish people that were like Greeks or Syrians or someone else in the area that's like just came to this religion, they're like, I don't know much about Judaism, but I uh, do you love me some Jesus and they show up and they're just like, Wait, "What's happening? Who are these people that are dropping people into lakes of fire?" I'm going to go back to my cool orgy gods. Yeah, no doubt. This is from First Enoch 546. Then Michael, Raphael, Gabriel, and fun. Wait,
1: fin- there's Lord. a ninja turtle in
0: there? Yeah. Sorry. There's going to be Michael. There's there's Michael, Raphael, so it's oh, two. I didn't two catch it. Michael's
1: my favorite too.
0: Yeah, so Gabriel and Fanuel themselves shall seize them, the wicked, on that great day of judgment and cast them into the furnace of fire that is burning that day so that the Lord of the Spirits may take vengeance on them on account of their oppressive deeds which they performed as the messengers of Satan, leading astray those who dwell on the earth.
1: Ah, oh, Lord of the Spirits. That's an interesting fucking title. title. yeah. So I, is that another thing for Satan? So the Lord of the Spirits can judge judge them. He's kind of I mean, like he, he's like kind of giving them over to like he's like all right, dude. These the, like these go on your tally. Like here's here I, you go. No,
0: because it says here the Lord of the Spirits may take vengeance on them. But on then it account says, of their oppressive deeds.
1: Yeah, and then it says Satan later on in that same.
0: Yeah, these which they performed as messengers of Satan. So because they are messengers of Satan, that's what they're the Lord of Spirits is doing this to them. Ooh, so who's I think the Lord, Lord of Spirits? Of spirits? Is, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's like Lord of the Dance, but I don't know that.
1: <laughs> it's Sauron. It's, could be. Could be. I Why does it always know. I get tied up on the hell stuff?
0: It's your favorite. This I is way know. too
1: foreboding for me.
0: I wonder if it's like you grew up in Christianity. They're like, don't look at Satan, don't look at Satan. You're like, well, I kind of want to check out Satan. Yeah. And I'm over here. You said where it's it like, too long. <laughs> everyone's like, you can check out anything. I'm like, well, what about this Jesus thing? And maybe my upbringing was like, eh, be careful with that. And <laughs> we, we both now,
1: still going opposite directions.
0: <laughs> this is coming from a different section of writings, the Cairo Geneser. He, God, is very patient and forgiving, covering the sin of those who repent of wrongdoing, but strength, might, and great wrath in the flames of the fire with all the angels of destruction shall come against all who rebel against the, the proper way and who despise the law until they are without remnant or survivor, for God had not chosen them from ancient eternity.
1: That's pretty hardcore, too. That's that's definitely some metal lyrics, dude. It's, it's sort like of poetic, too.
0: Yeah, and very much this was already decided from all eternity, which is kind of- mm, oh, I don't like that part. That's the way it sounds. At I don't like way, that and, part. Yeah, for God had not chosen them from the ancient eternity. He's Like, hmm. Yeah. Thanks again, which does fit with the whole seed scattering. We've talked about that as an option for interpreting some of these scriptures in Matthew, and there are very strong versions of Christianity that believe that. I can't say it's the- worst or the best it's just like that's just another form of christianity and i've got a lot of friends that that is the only way they see the world it falls into that idea if you believe in fate i don't know it's if you got friends that believe that their lives are determined by the movement of stars and planets and the day that they were born i really don't think it's too far of a stretch to believe that there's some sort of deity that decided everything from the very beginning (laughs) you know what i'm saying like yeah like, it,
1: quit being fucking rational here, but <laughs> that makes too much sense.
0: <laughs> it, two sides of the same coin, I guess. I don't know. Like Yep. Yeah.
1: That's a solid, that's a solid argument you present there.
0: Yeah. All right, here's another one. Note also that later in Midrashim, for him who triumphs at treading the wine press, the phrase treading the wine press is to be read in the light of what scriptures says elsewhere put ye in the sickle for the harvest is ripe come tread ye for the winepress is full the vats overflow to whom will god say put ye in the sickle tread ye the winepress is full rabbi phineas taught in the name of rabbi helai god will say this to the angels midrash tell it to Halim on psalm 8:1 so these are all a, another story of god having judgment and saying all right we're going to harvest and tread some people and it's not gonna be pretty.
1: Mm. That one was a little more diluted. That, uh, our earlier couple were straight to the point. That one I had to think through that one. And by thinking through that one, I mean you had to explain it.
0: All right, so let's read some other old stories about these tares, these weeds. Let's jump to Psalms 140 verse 9. 140
1: verse 9. I got that shit marked. 140, 140, where you at, bitch. Uh, okay here we go <clears throat> let the heads of those who surround me be covered with the trouble their lips have caused oh shit
0: so we get an example of people that have become stumbling blocks or people that are blocking others from understanding uh, the word of God so those are the people that are going to be judged let's but, jump to Leviticus 1914
1: that does make sense you know let the heads of those who surround me be covered by the trouble their lips have caused so it's like the people that are, like, fucking with me, like, like not fuck them, but, like, let their own shit that they've done that they're hitting me for, like, let that tie them up so that they're not fucking with me, you know? Yes. <laughs> like, they're not without sin. Like, let their own shit that they're, like, trying to tie me up with jam them up so they can't mess with me anymore. All right, so here, Leviticus 19 verse 14? Yes. Okay. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God, I am the Lord. Yeah, that would be kind of fucked up to be like, ah, this dickhead deaf guy, this... But no, I see there's, like, ulterior things, or there's other things below that. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God. So it's, like, people that don't know what's going on, like, don't make shit harder for them. Like, you need to maybe tell them about God. Is that what he's getting at? Or is it, like... or is it just it, like don't make these people's lives harder or is it like are you supposed to be preaching to them or you're just like don't like make these people's lives harder you're supposed to be better you're supposed to like I'm you're following me and you need to be hold yourself to a higher standard like
0: So Leviticus is specifically in regards to how you're treating your internal community the it law the, Yeah the, the people that are in your community that are blind don't do these things and they've taken it and extended it to mean also those who are just spiritually keeping them on the right path. I don't think this means go out and evangelize and shove Jesus down people's throats Okay, or hand out Gideon Bibles. Gotcha. This is more like don't become a stumbling block in their lives. Now, I don't think there's any problem allegorizing it to the point, and I, I would dare say Jesus does this as far as not leading them down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. Um, there probably are a lot of people that led people down the wrong path in the history of Christianity. Like, yeah. hey, I have this idea. I was thinking... We could take a bunch of swords and spears and we could take a couple of years and just go, I don't know, murder a bunch of Muslims and take over the Holy Land again. Like <laughs> that was probably like if somebody's like, I think this is what the will of God is. That's probably the wrong one.
1: Yeah. Again,
0: maybe <laughs> I'm wrong. Maybe that is what what white Jesus wanted us to do. Middle age. Jesus went middle ages, not middle aged. He never made it to middle
1: age. No. Nah. Poor guy.
0: Yeah. Here's a rabbinic writing kind of pulling from Leviticus here. This is Bavli Avada Zerah 6b. Again, in case you guys want to look this stuff up. How do we know that one should not hold out a cup of of wine to the Nazarite or a limb of a living animal to the Noahide from scripture, which it says, thou shalt not put a stumbling block before the blind? So you can see where that's that rabbinic writing is pulling from the Leviticus passage. Oh, yeah. So we mentioned earlier, the Nazarite is somebody that makes a vow or dedicates themselves to the Judeo-Christian God and they would abstain from cutting their hair, abstain from drinking booze and abstain from touching dead things. So that would be the three. And we've done episodes and talked about that before, but just for you to understand, you shouldn't be handing a cup of wine to somebody that has just made a vow to the Lord on high that they're not going to drink. So like that would be a stumbling block. Yeah. Especially with social pressure. If you're like, this is my wedding, man. Like we got a party. You'd be like, "Uh, probably like just leave Samson alone." That's, <laughs> that's not true. Samson drank at weddings. Yeah, he was,
1: Yeah, he he loved it.
0: Yeah, and then the other one is it says or offer a limb from a living animal to a noahide. So when Noah Noah got off the boat, and I think this is before he got drunk and naked. That's a whole other story. Maybe. be but, fun. Yeah. So Noah, if you look back into either Jewish stories or into Christian nurseries, there is this story of Noah who puts a bunch of animals on a boat. There's a giant flood. God just eliminates and kills everything and everybody except for the people and the animals that are on the boat. They had it coming. He, he, yeah, yeah. I was about to say he's a loving and gracious God, but I like your 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 take. <laughs> with, he, they had it coming. He gets off there, and then God's like, hey, I'm going to lay out some laws. And he he gives it out like a short list of laws and stuff like create governments that rule fairly and one of them is when you have an animal you are supposed to kill it all the way you're not supposed to like take a pig cut off one leg cook that tonight and then come back tomorrow while it's suffering and like amputate the next leg Mm. so it's like don't offer a Noahide somebody who's like trying to follow these laws which in their case a lot of people believe that the Noahide commandments would be all Gentiles that is when Noah came off the boat. God gave Noah these rules. And since all of humanity descends from Noah, these are the rules that all humans outside of Jewish culture are supposed to abide by.
1: Yeah, so just just kill it all in one swing. Don't make it an Eli Roth film. Like,
0: I didn't get that reference. Eli Roth?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Hostile, uh, Green Inferno.
0: Oh, okay. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Cannibalism, know. cutting off limbs while they're alive.
0: So- Going back to this last question, like, all right, the field, is this the world or the church specifically? It's kind of hard to figure out. Is this, when I say church, big C church, all, all the Christians, is this just specifically the world or all the Christians? And in verse 38 is the world, but in verse 41, we have specifically the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven in this case. So this becomes a little difficulty to figure out exactly which is which. So I don't know. That's my answer here. We hmm. do not know which one is which. That's so
1: weird. We usually don't come up with answers like "I don't know" on this podcast, or leave things vague, or people wanting.
0: I don't know if we leave anybody wanting, but I'm the rest, kind of yeah. I'm kind it, of it, proud
1: of our our consistency. Actually, I'm very proud. We have a, we created a standard,
0: a standard of ambiguity. <laughs> yes. All uh, right. I do want <laughs> to throw out another option here. So do it. We. I am going to talk about these three parables we've just told. So what are our three parables? We talked about the wheat and the weeds. We Mm -hmm. talked about the mustard seed. And then we talked about this leaven going throughout the dough. And we spoke of them as three separate stories. Most of the scholars that I read, the majority of scholarship would see these as three separate stories. There is a very minority opinion, and I need to be very clear that this is extremely minority. I don't think I've ever heard it taught this way from the pulpit ever in my life. As a Christian, so, which isn't super long, but you know, never heard it taught this way. (laughs) I think it is interesting that Matthew tells one story, tells another, tells another, and then goes back to the very first story and gives the interpretation. So the possibility is that these three stories are the same story told three different ways. So you would have the wheat and tares, we kind of have the explanation here where it is You have good wheat growing, and then you have this bad plant growing inside. You can't really tear it out, and you know that it's going to be bad for the entirety of it all. And then you have this mustard seed that you are going to plant, and now it's grown. It's sort of overtaken your garden, and it's become a place where these birds, which we've talked about earlier in the earlier parable, were a negative thing. Again, I know that birds aren't always negative. Sparrows are not necessarily negative images in the book of Matthew. Which is, you know, a problem with this interpretation, but I'm just, this is probably why it's a minority interpretation. Like I said, this is not very big. So You
1: already started Keep it going. Let's
0: hear it. Yeah. So it grows and it allows for both the good and the bad when this mustard seed grows. Or or the problem is that it doesn't just grow. It overgrows and takes over the garden when you're like, no, stupid freaking mustard seed bush. I didn't expect you to take over half my garden. And now you've, (laughs) you know, like it overgrows. So that could be a problem. Uh, The leaven, some people think that it matches the interpretations of Leviticus 2, where it talks about someone doing a grain (laughs) offering. So in Leviticus, it kicks off with the things that you were supposed to do in order to worship God. And these are these sacrifices where it's either a a ram or a lamb, and it tells you about all these different types of sacrifices. Now, it goes on into further detail as we get into other things into Leviticus, but this is sort of the rundown first couple chapters Are just going through these different sacrifices, and one of them in Leviticus two is a grain offering, and there it talks about bringing an amount, and there is some question about how much that is, and so some people believe that that amount is specifically these three measures, and in a grain offering you are not supposed to have leaven. There's also the the Greek word that is used here in Matthew is "incrupto," which means hiding. She hid this leaven into it so maybe what she was trying to do is take her grain offering and make it larger something that was specifically forbidden and once a leaven works its way through the dough you can't separate it Hmm. so then with matthew taking the interpretation of the other one putting it at the end it's a possibility of seeing the these three and again i'm telling you this is a minority opinion it might be that these three parables are all telling us that as this kingdom of heaven um, that they are expecting. Remember, th- their mindset is you're going to have the kingdom of God and or kingdom of Israel, and it's going to be amazing. Everybody's going to be following the right way, and it's like Jesus coming through and being like, hey, it's going to be messy, mostly because there are going to be a lot of people involved, and if you've ever tried doing things with people, it's messy. <laughs> so, again, minority opinion. The majority of scholars, and I say majority, I mean... All pretty much all of the scholars that I turn to when I'm preparing for these studies are all of the opinion that these are three separate things. They do not agree with that last interpretation. But I definitely want to give you guys as many options as possible so that it's really hard for you guys to make a decision. That's kind of the goal here. No answers, more questions. Yeah, it, it's kind
1: of a follow your heart thing. As <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no, nah. we're we're just here to confuse and annoy. Hey, again we're coming down to consistency. We can't put a bow on things, figure it out.
0: So, my main reason of doing it that way is I kind of wanted to tell you guys the main ideas of like how this is generally interpreted as well as mm-hmm. get our understanding of this and also give you a lot of the rabb- rabbinic literature, but I also enjoy the sort of Quentin Tarantino at the end just switching it all up and going, "Okay, Here's one way of looking at it. How can we look at this exact same thing in a completely new light, switch everything around? Because we went from this mustard tree growing being really good and, ooh, she's like making a bunch of bread and the leaven and it's like growth. And like you can't stop the kingdom of God to being like, ah, crap, there are losers in this kingdom of heaven. Yeah, yeah. And you can't separate it. And I, I do want to encourage us as an audience, us, me included, I guess to continue to play with and look at new interpretations, switch things around, look at it. Just because somebody's got a bunch of letters after their name doesn't necessarily mean they're right. It also doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means, you know, here's another thing to look at and figure out for yourself. Maybe one day we'll talk more about how we kind of work through those things and what the tools are and what we would call lens or hermeneutics are for that. But for you guys, just be open to the different interpretations And be comfortable with landing on a side if you're like, no, this one makes way more sense than that one, and I don't know, just have as much confidence as you can without having too much commitment. Yeah. You don't have to put
1: all your leaven in one bread or eggs in one basket. Yes. Keep yourself open.
0: (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening in, and we hope to catch you next time. Uh, Find us on Spotify, iTunes, iTunes, Tell your friends and family, or don't tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies.
1: Oh, Instagram, at Beer and Bible Show. Yeah, hit us up. Let us know what you think. Thanks for checking us out, and uh, yeah, we love you guys. We'll see you next time.